Hello everyone and welcome to another recap race analysis here on the Cycling Day Next channel or if you're listening on the podcast. As always, I'm joined by Patrick Blake about his cycling. And I mean, Patrick, first stage of Paris-Nice, sometimes it's a good one, sometimes it's not a good one. This was, was certainly a good one. What happened? Yeah, it was a very interesting stage from Les Moreau to Les Moreau. We did a, kind of like a big circuit today and it was certainly one which was going to be for the classic sprinters. I think that's what everybody was really expecting today but there were certainly some surprises early on we had a three-man breakaway with two riders from ef pro cycling in stefan bissiger and jonas luch and also matthew bergado joined from hotel energies and they were really fighting out for the kom classification it was quite a closely fought competition between those three we saw a bit of you know a bit of gamesmanship where Bissiger attacked off the front so that Jonas Luch could sit in the wheel of Bergado whilst he was forced to respond to the attack. And eventually, it was Luch who came away with that KOM classification. So he'll be wearing that on stage two. It was a little bit of a, a long four-tile victory, and they really ganged up on Bergado. But that wasn't the main action of the day. The main action of the day came with the bonification seconds on Montanville, which is 0.7 kilometers at 8.1%. This was pretty much where everybody was expecting that it was going to be a Remco versus Roglic fight for the bonus seconds. And rather surprisingly, Roglic wasn't involved particularly. He was shuffled quite far down. I don't think it was through a lack of ability. I think he was just not in a good position. In Paris, there's a lot of quite narrow roads, and I just think he was in not in good position going into the base of that climb, whereas Remco was. And Remco didn't stop, really, at the top of that. He he kept going over the top. Jorgensen won the bonus seconds, by the way. He was the one who initiated the attack, followed by Remco. And then Bernal finished in third place. So they picked up six, four, and two bonification seconds, respectively. And then over the top of the cut de Betville, we again saw a very similar scenario where Remco decided to attack. Roglic responded alongside, I think it was Finn Fisher Black, but there are so many good UAE Team Emirates riders, it's a little bit hard to keep track as to who's who. But they went over the top. There were some gaps, but eventually it all came back together. Anthony Turgis launched a counter-attack, but then it all looked pretty set that we were going to be getting a sprint because we saw the presence of some sprinters like Brian Cockard and uh, Mass Pedersen, Olaf Koy, and we knew that those teams would work on the front. And eventually we came into the final kilometer and it was Visma Lisa bike who were leading out for Olav Koy. He did a very good job, I think, of making it over those climbs today. We then saw Lidl Trek take over. However, it was quite a long way to go, probably 900 meters to go. Jasper Stoyven took over with Pedersen in the wheel. But 900 meters to go, it's a long way to go, especially with a slight uphill drag to the line. So Stoyven was doing an absolute hero's effort. Pedersen launched Coy launched they came around the final corner and just about by probably 10 centimeters Olaf Coy takes stage one of Harry Nice ahead of Olaf Coy wins ahead of Mass Pedersen in second a very impressive performance from Lawrence Piffy in third place who had a very good opening weekend and a good season all in all so really great to see him getting a good result on like a, on a massive stage here Paranese, Nils Akoff in fourth, Maddie's Mikels in fifth, Michael Matthews in sixth, Matteo Trenton in seventh, Matthias Skomas Jensen in eighth place, Sandy Dujardin in ninth place, and Caden Groves in tenth place. GC standings 
Olaf Coyzen first, Mass Pedersen second, Jorgensen third because he got the six bonus seconds, Piffy in fourth, and Avonapol in fifth, and Bernal in sixth, and then everyone else is on ten seconds. So, Scott, what do you make of that? I think Avonapol looked very dangerous today, and I think, is it worrying that he's already kind of looking this good? First day in France as well, racing-wise, so... What a way to make your debut in France. No, I thought he looked great and uh, uh, being very aggressive early on. Don't know how that's going to affect him afterwards. Yeah, like you said as well, Primus Roglic, maybe this isn't just saying that he's not in shape. It was just he was caught out of position. And given the terrain, he thought it was going to come all back together as well. Was this wasted energy or not? I don't think so. Because I think that if the correct composition of people went off the front, they could realistically have held it off. I think Bernal obviously looked very keen to work, but Avonapool, I mean, he did attack and he was going incredibly hard, but it did look like he was grimacing. So like you say, maybe it was just kind of like a wasted effort. Or you could see it on the other hand of first day of racing, you know, may as well kind of open the legs up at the end of the day everyone else behind him was probably going equally as hard so it's not sort of like everyone behind was having an easy time about it whilst Dave Napoleon was off attacking uh, everyone was definitely on their limits so I think it's all pretty pretty relative to be honest I think everybody else suffered so I don't think it was a bad move I think it was good to see you know somebody actually launching an attack not just waiting for a sprint and you know you can really rely on Remco to do that and he has had success in doing these sorts of attacks in the past, and we've also seen in Paris-Nice moves which go from bonus seconds, you know, look at uh, Jumbo Visma when they won with that 1-2-3 with Wout, Laporte, and Roglic, you know, that worked on a little tiny hill, so I don't think that Remco's attack was wasted, I think it was a pretty smart move, and it made for very entertaining watching too. I mean, the elephant in the room, which is big and yellow, uh, you're a huge fan of this guy, Olaf Koy. Obviously, you're trying to advocate to get him to a Grand Tour this year. And I mean, the lead out, yeah, it was a bit of a shame for Mespillers. And he kind of, he was one man short of being in the perfect position. So that was a bit of a shame. But like Koy finishing it off, a good result from him. Took a stage last year now and now taking another one. Yeah, yeah, he took, uh, yeah, he was very good last year as well. Yeah, I, I was just quite pleasantly surprised. He's not just, you know, he's a little bit Philipson-esque, I guess you could say. You know, he's not just some flat sprinter like we saw with some of the sprinters today, like uh, Gunnar Vegan or Jakobsen. No offense to them, they're just examples. They were dropped on the on the climb, whereas Coy wasn't. And I think that shows a certain level of versatility, which is really good to see in the sprinter. And it's this new breed of sprinters like your Philipsons. McCoy's, um, Groves as well is a really good example. Pedersons, you know, these sprinters are all really good at doing not just a sprint, but getting over to do harder sprints. And I think it was really good to see from Coy. Can't wait to see what he's going to do at the Giro d'Italia. But I say that the lead out for Pedersen was definitely a man short. I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't have, have expected Skelmos to contribute to it. So maybe that's where they were missing a man. Because yeah, it was really just down to Steuben, so maybe it wasn't it wasn't easy for Lidl Track. I think everyone was looking at them to control, so I think they still did good though. Second place is a 
it, it's still good. But it, you are the first loser, so. Just rub it in. Uh, I mean, in terms of judging, like, like extracting conclusions out of these tiny hills compared to what's coming up, we might as well continue that. I mean, UAE Team Emirates, uh, they seem to have a bit of, uh, well, they have a bit of a few questions marks coming into this. Who is the leader? Is it Brandon McNulty? Is it Jay Vine? Is it Joao Almeida who's coming up of illness? He didn't have a preseason race like the other ones. He didn't go to the World Cup, but yeah, it looked like it wasn't Joao really. Okay, he, he finished on the same time, but like when that move went with Remco, it wasn't Joao responding. I think it was Brandon McNulty. I couldn't quite make it out. I think it was McNulty or Finn Fisher Black. I couldn't quite I, I agree. It's, for some reason, I don't know why, but the front-on shot of the UAE Team Emirates riders, it's quite hard to distinguish them because they're all quite kind of like six-foot-ish built. So it's, it is quite hard. I, I agree. I think UAE Team Emirates have got a little bit of a head-scratcher going on. Lots of question marks. I made with the illness. McNulty and Vine with their kind of falling apart in the UAE tour. Solaire's just a bit of a rogue agent. Finn Fisher Black's very unproven over multiple kind of mountain pass stages. We've seen him do well in like just like a you know stage which just kind of goes flat and then up. But how is he going to go on like a stage eight? So lots of question marks. Maybe they're just going with people will just slowly drop off out of their team and the leader will just kind of rise to the top. But I think that it's it's hard to tell. I think. UE should probably focus on I want to say Vine I think that he looked good at UE tour and maybe it was just like one a bad day at Jabal Hafeet whereas McNulty seemed to be suffering more at Jabal Jais I don't really know I, I just think that UE have just got a proper head scratcher going on and I don't know who they're going to be going with but it'll be interesting to see where where everybody lies or well, no the TTT I reckon depending on who is in that front group that they decide to go with that's going to be their guys well, we might as well mention him before we finish Matteo Jorgensen winning the burner sprint obviously it looks like he might he give this Melissa Bikes card in terms of the GC winning the stage good for them but in terms of the overall picture finished a top 10 last time he did Paris Nice so do you think Matteo Jorgensen yeah I mean he seemed quite comfortable on that hill. Yeah, he definitely he he was definitely in good position. I think that cobbled racing has really sort of helped him to fine tune, you know, getting your elbows out and getting in good position into the base of small climbs like that. I am looking forward to getting yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do this week. I hopefully expect to step up from what we saw last year from him. After all, he is going to the tour this year, so he'll likely be a domestique and I think you know, we're going to see maybe maybe a top five performance, I'd say, from Jorgensen. I'm just not sure how his long climbing is going. We haven't seen that in quite a long time. So there's definitely some question marks about, you know, if he's training for the cobbles, has he been doing more kind of short explosive effort training as opposed to longer mountain training? I don't really know. That's something to ask his, ask his coach. But I think it's very interesting and good promising signs that he won't be bonus second sprint. Well, I mean, that's basically it for our recap race analysis here of stage one of Paris Nice. The race to the sun has truly started and 
If you haven't already, make sure to comment down below what you thought of Remco's move. Hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, and check out Patrick's channel, Aru Cycling, of course. And if you want more of Patrick, check out the Sean Cycling podcast. But with that, thank you for watching, and we will see you again.